2: and welcome to the Total Saints podcast, a World Cup edition. Going to be doing a few special editions of the podcast throughout the World Cup, following the England team through the tournament and checking in on any Saints business that might be going on as well. As always, we're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. So if you're watching along tonight, you can leave your comments and questions as we go. A massive thank you to our TSP patrons because we couldn't do any of this without you. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. So coming up this week on the pod we're going to look back at England's opening two games of the tournament, two very different performances. Plus we'll look ahead to the Wales game on Tuesday and there's a few Saints bits to discuss later as well. My name's Martin Stark and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant who's the owner of Saints Web, Jacob Tanswell the Southampton reporter for The Athletic and the new face on the screen is Alex Hart, a long-time supporter of TSP, a Saints fan who also happens to be based in America. All underpinned by our TSP patrons this is the total saints podcast world cup special episode one your home for everything southampton fc from dedicated saints insight to exclusive interviews live on youtube every sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts this is the total saints podcast Alex, I'm going to start with you this yeah. week um, because I feel like we need to know your story. Tell us whereabouts you are now.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm currently in Chicago, actually, with my girlfriend's family for for the Thanksgiving holiday. But I live in San Francisco, and and that's where, yeah, I'm actually from there originally as well.
2: So how does somebody originally from San Francisco end up supporting a team that are currently in the relegation zone going into Christmas? (laughs) What's gone wrong there?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I actually, I've been supporting Saints, I'd say, about 10 years now. So the year they got promoted, I had played college soccer uh, and college football, excuse me, and then uh, (laughs) took a little break from the sport. And then the year the Saints got promoted was the year I kind of decided to get back into it. Didn't have a team I was supporting, um, wanted to pick someone that wasn't uh, a big six club and uh, watched a couple of their matches and saw that they were these plucky team that liked to go forward and attack the the bigger sides and said, okay, let's do it. And the first five years were pretty great. I I flew across for the the cup final against against Manchester United where they lost 3-2. I actually met. Zlatan uh, after a couple years after that match and brought it up and he said it was a very good game and he felt bad for me Um, yeah so (laughs) yeah, yeah so yeah five very good years followed by I guess now four or five not so good years
4: probably the only empathy he's ever shown isn't it yeah,
2: <laughs> and how easy is it to keep up with the with the Saints games, Alex? Where you are, are you able to to watch the games each week? Are you able to to keep up with what's going on?
3: I watch almost every match. If it's the twelve thirty kickoff for you all, I I can't because it's at four thirty in the morning. But I'll get up and watch the seven a.m. match if it's on. It's actually pretty great. You get to sort of get up, have a cup of coffee, and watch a match, and then go about your day. Uh, unfortunately, as has been the case recently. Most of these days, aren't you go about them in misery? But uh, <laughs> it's it's nice to kind of it's it's really actually kind of great. I think to get up, turn it on first thing in the morning, and then you know kind of be able to have your day.
2: I love the idea that we're all suffering. Doesn't matter which side of the Atlantic you're on. Oh um, yeah. And, and just what have you made of the season so far? And 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 the the games up until the World Cup break, and obviously the change of, of manager.
3: Um, what have you made of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think on one hand obviously disappointing. I think the results speak for themselves. A lot of close matches that ultimately we've lost by fine margins. At the same time, hard to be that, to find it that unexpected. I think, you know, obviously it's a very young squad. A lot of players who are unproven at this level. Some have really stepped up as you would expect a couple to. Some look a little bit out of their depth. The Nathan Jones appointment. I mean, I I know less about him as an American probably than you all, which probably means we didn't know much. (laughs) Yeah, which probably puts me in the the negative. But yeah, I mean, I think like the performance against Liverpool looked a little bit more positive. And I think just realistically, unless you're Pep Guardiola or one of the other top managers, every manager has a shelf life and kind of felt like Ralph reached his. But I mean, he I will always think of him very, very fondly. I think he clearly gave a lot to the club and you know, it just was time.
2: Good. Well, it's great to have you with us this evening. We're going to get your views on the uh, the game from uh, Friday night. Um, Steve, yeah. I'm going to come to you first. England limped to a point against the United States. Bit of a poor performance in their second game of the tournament. Am I right in saying you were there for this one?
4: Uh, yes, I've done both the England games so you far. You are our
2: man um, at the game. What did you yes. make of it? How was it? Um, oh,
4: God, it was dull, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, I've, I've not checked the stats, but... I mean I reckon half of our passes were John Stones to Harry Maguire and and <laughs> um vice versa it was it was not great but I think I mean I, th- I do think the reaction has been a huge overreaction given that we're already well in control of this group and let's be let's be realistic about this the US are the second best team in this group so basically getting a point and um not letting them kind of progress um or kind of close the gap on us Absolutely no problem. Would have been nicer for us to have played better, but having not played well, we get out of that game with with a with a point on the board after obviously Wales Wales blew it against Iran. That basically meant that it was kind of it was almost a free hit really. Um in that sense. Um because I mean Wales look particularly poor at the moment, basically trying to recreate the twenty sixteen team um in twenty twenty two. But I think, yeah, I mean let's let's be honest, key players had off nights. Harry Kane didn't look fit. After his, uh, after his injury um, against Iran. And that meant that Mason Mount was then having to run, run around like a, leg, like a sort of headless chicken doing the pressing all on his own. And, it, and the US defence found it quite easy to pass it around him. I was quite impressed with the US midfield, actually. I thought Weston McKenney was very good. Um, Tyler Adams in the holding role as well. And, um, and it was interesting, it's interesting to see Pulisic actually have a good game for once. Um, so I'm, I've not seen him play well for a long time um he's been been really poor for Chelsea for for quite a while I mean obviously keeps getting injured which obviously doesn't help but um but yeah they they were they were decent but as I mean they they just they just don't have don't have any cutting edge up front that's that's the problem um they don't have a proper center forward and I mean in England I mean without Kane we'd potentially be in a similar situation really um but we've I mean, we've got out of that game with, with something. So, um, yeah, as, I mean, as I said, the, the reaction was a huge overreaction I thought, but I think pe- people are so entrenched in their view now of, of Southgate and, and how he's, how he's managing this, um, this set of players that basically anything other than essentially what we saw um, on uh, Monday against Iran was, was always going to have that sort of negative reaction. Um, mm. I mean, it, 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 I do find it odd how we've, how we basically never managed to beat the US in a World Cup. Because um, we've now played them three times and not, not won any of them. And I think this is now kind of the closest that they've ever been to us in terms of, um, in terms of ranking. And yet we still can't, still can't get over the line for whatever reason. So that's, that's a little bit frustrating. But yeah, as I say, we've got, got a point, move on. Wales on Wales on Tuesday and and I'd expect us to win that.
2: Go from there. Yeah. Jacob, obviously Saints are off for a couple of weeks, but no rest for you by the looks of it. You've been working just as hard on the World Cup as you would on the, the Premier League. What did you make of, of the game on, on Friday night?
1: Yeah, I completely echo Steve's comments in terms of the overreaction, but I think again we saw the lack of in-game management for Gareth Southgate, really. I think when things are going really really well I think everything's fine you know against Iran he basically didn't have to do anything the whole game because it was, it was such a dominant performance but then you play against USA and from the first 10 to 15 minutes it looked flat and as Steve said Stones and Maguire just kept passing it to each other and England couldn't get out of their half they couldn't play it through the thirds because In America's U.S.'s energies was very very good. They had a very clever plan in terms of locking onto England's midfield. But Southgate did very little, probably nothing, to combat this. And then he makes those substitutions. And um, there's even more for raw on, on online because you know I know Phil Foden hasn't been at his best in an England shirt, but he's he is one of the best players in Europe. And the fact that a manager like if Gareth Southgate can't get the best out of him it's probably an indictment of his managerial qualities over how good a player Phil Foden is so I think we've seen again we saw it in 2018 when things are up against England Southgate has got no answer he did not have it against Croatia in the final Uh, when Luke Shaw scored everything looks perfect you know the wing backs brilliant well done Gareth he did that really well and then Italy changed, Mancini changed and Southgate had no answer again. So I think that was probably the reason why there was so much anger, because we've seen the same things happen and happen again. And I'll be very surprised if it doesn't happen again this tournament where England up are against it and Southgate does very little to change it tactically. But saying that, I really did enjoy US's performance. I thought it was really good. And hopefully they can progress quite far into this tournament because I think it, it'll be a good World Cup if they do.
2: Well, let's talk about the, the USA and their performance uh, then, Alex. Uh, Pudisic probably came closest to scoring, hitting the, the crossbar. They, they seem to be pressing well. They're, they're a decent side, aren't
3: they? Yeah, I think that that's the general perspective so far. And I think you know both Steve and Jacob, what you touched on, is, is totally correct. I think I had the feeling controlled the midfield very well. Um, I think it, the, the game against Wales was actually the same way. I think the game against Wales, if you look at the two results for the U.S., was actually more disappointing. We thoroughly dominated the first half of that match and probably should have gotten more out of that match. The reality of the the result when Iran beat Wales meant that, again, kind of this match was a free hit. You know, if, if, whether we lost or, or or drew, if we beat Iran in our next match, we'd probably be in pretty good shape. But I think overall, the feeling has to be really, really positive in the camp. Yeah, it's been, it's been two or I'd say one and a half strong showings and I think you know for a team that's young a team where probably the the next cycle is is the one where you probably say okay maybe they'll they'll make something happen um it's been it's been positive so far
2: and what was the mood going into the the World Cup Alex because it was a bit mixed over here you know some of us were excited about it others just weren't really asked about it and then it crept up and then once the football started I think everyone was kind of latching onto it and getting behind it but was that was it similar for, for you guys
3: Yeah, I think I would say the same. Once once the matches start, everybody, you know, a lot of the conversation gets moved to the side. And I think, you know, all that conversation is very important. But, you know, once the games start, it's really hard to to not engage. For the most part, the 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 matches are at times where are, you know, you can watch them in the mornings. It's not too awful. And I think people have been Pretty into it, pretty excited about it. People who do follow the US men's national team closely, I think are really excited about this group. It's probably our most talented group of players in a a very long time. And again, recognizing it's a young, exciting team that, you know, okay, maybe it's a little, it's a little early to think that they're going to go on a deep run. But I think there's enough that that you've seen that we've seen to be encouraged. And going into the Iran match, I mean, just being in a position where you win that, and you're in, and you're in control of your destiny. is a pretty good place to be, though. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the probably handful of American fans who remember World Cup '98 when we lost 2-1 to Iran. So, you know, nothing's given. And we, we weren't going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you know they're going to be up for this match. So you're gonna like you're gonna have to match that. And winning a match at the World Cup is very different than drawing two matches.
2: And Steve Jacob touched on the the substitution Henderson coming on maybe instead of Phil Foden. It felt a bit like damage limitations. Um and it, it didn't go down well with the with the fans.
4: Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest, a lot of the fan base aren't uh, connoisseurs of the game, shall we say? <laughs> um I was putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I mean to be honest, I actually I mean, when you when you look at Henderson's warming up, you think, oh God, what's going on here? But actually, um I mean Bellingham for whatever reason, just couldn't get into the game. just wasn't working for him. And actually, Henson coming on, um, I, don't think, I don't think the US had a single breakaway um, after that point where he came on. So actually, the, the whole point of him doing that, coming on, basically shoring up the midfield and, and giving us a base, actually worked exactly as designed. So I think actually on on that point I would say that Southgate did read did read that particular situation um, very well. Grealish coming on was was fine. Um, I mean he was involved a fair amount. Uh, him and Shaw, I'd like to see Shaw overlap a little bit more late in the game because he did it a lot in the first half, um, but not so much uh, later on. But the problem problem was that Kane was Kane was so static that whoever got the ball it was kind of well there's there's nobody to aim at and. I mean we've we've already seen from from his time at man united that rashford's not great down the middle and I mean, it seems like wilson might have wilson might have had a bit of a knock so as a result you've got no real kind of option sort of as an alternative to kane to play that uh, that focal point role so you're kind of having to kind of having to make do but there were certain there were some sort of attacks where it genuinely felt as if kane was just getting in the way um, there was one break in the one counterattack in the second half where he I, th- I think Luke Shaw almost almost tripped over him because he basically just kind of lumbered himself in into the middle of where exactly where Shaw wanted to run and the attack petered out. So it was yeah it was frustrating. Um I'd like I'd like to see Foden given an opportunity but at the same time as Jacob says he's not really done anything in the an England shirt yet. Hmm. Grealish had to work pretty hard to earn Southgate's trust and now seems to be kind of the first cab off the rank. Um, which is fine. Um, Saka and Sterling have earned the trust as first starters because of their their performances. Um, I mean, not just on Monday against Iran, but over over the last two or three years. I think they they are they're the men in possession, and ultimately, international football isn't exciting, unfortunately. And and people, a lot of people seem um, seem to sort of um almost sort of fantasize about how world cups are supposed to be this great festival of football when that must be the the strap line that fifa rejected (laughs) yeah (laughs) um unfortunately you i mean if you look back through the years all the all the teams that that actually win stuff they win trophies rather than plaudits because they um they control games if you control the game then then you've got the best chance of winning it at international level unfortunately it does it does make for a pretty dull spectacle but if we'd gone if we'd gone all guns blazing in in the euros last year um germany would have picked us off in that last 16 game hmm. as they almost as they almost did with that um, that late break that muller somehow put wide and yeah it's i think i think southgate fin- is finally the, the one manager who has worked out what it takes at this level and also has a, has a th- um, skin thick enough to not worry about the outside noise and all the criticism that will inevitably come from playing the way that, um, that he feels we need to play. And at the end of the day, the, the, results, the results in tournaments under Southgate demonstrate that for me he's, he's so far, he's got it right. Hmm. Um, we drew 0-0 with Scotland in the Euros and everyone said, oh, this is an absolute disaster. Um, and then two and a half weeks later, we're, we're in the final. Um... I've forgotten all about it. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that assuming we win on Tuesday against Wales then all of a sudden everyone will forget about the America game okay fine it was a it was a blip it was a it wasn't a particularly great spectacle but um, it was part of part of getting the job done
2: Hmm. Alex you mentioned maybe it might be a little bit early for this group of players just before we let you go what are the the expectations what makes a, a good world cup for you
3: yeah I think advancing out of the group stage would be a success you know once you get past that I think you know the the second round and the quarterfinals sometimes are a little bit of I mean the second round is a little bit of a you see a, some upsets there I think the quarterfinals tend to be where the the cream rises to the crop um, so I think if they reach the second round and you know ha- had a good showing in that I think they'd most likely play the Netherlands who've looked not great I think we could potentially play with them and give them a good match if you lose that match I think you say okay it was a good run and we're hosting in 2026 and you know that's that's probably where you would hope to go on a, a deeper run and I think you know you hope you develop a striker I think again I would agree with sort of all the comments around I thought we controlled the midfield I thought uh, McKinney and Adams and, and Musa were great the, the the conversation in the U.S. around sort of what's not gone wrong or what's not gone right has been around sort of the use of Gio Reyna you know obviously he's a very talented young player for Dortmund he hasn't seen he's, a lot of minutes he's
4: made the biscuits though isn't he that's the problem
3: <laughs> yes um <laughs> but but they would like to see him used more um but I think again it's it's a young group you know we've seen some of them in the Premier League in recent years you know Brendan Aronson Anthony Robinson I think are, are doing well but yeah, I think it's, it's getting, getting out of the group, knowing it was a little bit of a challenging group going into it. I think people had higher expectations for Wales than what they've been. I mean, they've been pretty mediocre. In our game, they were not good, I would say. And we, we let them back in the game. Um, and Iran, you know, you, you never know what you're going to get there. So I think advancing from the group would be, would be a success. And you take that for the, for the next cycle.
2: Brilliant. Well, Alex, listen, thank you for coming on. Um, best of luck for Tuesday night. Next time you're yeah. at St. Mary's, we'll buy you a pint. Um, Sounds great. Happy Thanksgiving and, uh, and and stay in touch. Give our regards to everybody else. Yeah, we'll do. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, all. Alex. Thanks for Thanks, coming Alex. on. Um, Jacob, Steve, we're going to just chat about the Iran game from, uh, well, an impressive start, the perfect start. This was the, yeah, the first game. That was fun this was the first one you were at Steve. what was it like i mean getting to the game just because you're you're our man over there that's been to these games how was how was the the setup and the the infrastructure and what well, because obviously we read certain things but how, what was your experience of, of going to the first game i
4: mean i i went into it obviously spending the last couple of winters in in dubai i know how kind of middle eastern uh big events organization tends to go and it it usually it's usually tinged with a heavy dose of chaos sort of chaos but actually to be fair other than all the all the stuff that were that seemed to kind of be not ready like the night before the opening ceremony um like with all the accommodation not finished and things like that actually everything has kind of just about fallen into place which kind of just goes to show that if you throw enough money at the problem then you can you can kind of do anything but basically like a few of my mates were in um in some of those porter cabins Oh. um the accommodation and a, and actually the fest they called it in they yeah like I mean, fire fest. But, but to be fair i mean i think to be honest the 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 tent situation were the ones that that looked like the most likely to be a bit ropey but from from what i gather from my from my mates who were, who were staying in doha in those in those port cabins is that actually they've been absolutely fine it's uh i mean you're not spending that much time there all you're doing there is sleeping really and it's got a bed it's got a brand new bathroom it's got a fridge it's got a it's got a a kettle and it's got running water and air conditioning so ultimately it's 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 kind of it's fit for purpose it's expensive for what it is um i think it was like 150 about 150 quid a night based on two sharing so 75 quid a night per person so it's not it's not awful by world cup standards and given the lack of Basically, just the sheer lack of numbers, really, in terms of the the number of rooms available in in Qatar, it's not. It, it could have been a whole lot worse. Um, but in terms of getting into the grounds, like the metro, the metro is brilliant. Like it runs every every two minutes or so. You can always get on get on the next train. Again, throw throw enough money at the problem, and you can make make it really good. And the thing is, no, the locals don't use it, so it's basically all the tourists are, are using the metro because it's free on your on as part of the um, the entry visa. And it gets you to more or less, more or less, to the ground. Um, the one that we played, played the US on um, Friday, was was a bit more of a trek from there. They were, but they they laid on hundreds of shuttle buses from from that metro station, um, all, all the way up to the ground. It was like a thirty five minute journey, no traffic, and yeah, it was and it was absolutely fine. Getting in the ground has I've I've not had any issues, but I know there were there were obviously quite a lot of problems getting in at one point for the Iran game. Because um, there was a problem with the with the ticketing app that went down, which is kind of yeah, it's kind of one one of those things. They they want to go all digital because it means that I mean theoretically it's more sustainable, so you're not printing out loads of tickets and all this sort of stuff. But I don't think they really care about that. But it, but it's, it's not without risk, it, is, it? is it? Yeah, and it's I think ideal the the main idea is really that they can control um, access and they can control who gets the tickets. Hmm. It's a lot harder to tout these tickets, but of course, when the app goes down and people find that their tickets suddenly vanish from their app, all of a sudden you've got thousands of uh, either panicky or very angry people. You've got a problem. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And it's... But they... I mean, ultimately, I think, I think everybody eventually got in for the Iran game and the keeper getting injured and being knocked out for the best part of 10 minutes right at the start of the game actually helped everyone. Um, a lad I know struggled to get in. I think he got in about 15, 20 minutes in. Um, but because of that, because of that big injury he didn't didn't miss much he didn't miss much um twenty twenty seven added on as well which is obviously
2: helpful yeah we'll talk about those as well let's let's talk about the game jacob because it was on it was the perfect start to the tournament wasn't it i know gareth southgate wasn't happy with the two goals that they conceded but it was a joy to watch
1: i loved it they're playing a back four um they had (laughs) belling was allowed to get into the box uh mount obviously i think he Adds gives you a little bit of balance Uh, and I thought the front three were really dynamic. I know I did a piece on Harry Kane, I think he had 18 or 19 touches, but it seemed like everyone was meaningful, it mattered and it was just really, really good and it linked well. Um, Really pleased for Raheem Sterling as well to get his first World Cup, go after getting uh, unfair abuse in the 2018 World Cup. So I think it was a really good start. It reminded me a little bit of the Panama game in terms of, just I just took them for granted towards the end. Um, The goals that is, I remember watching... 2006, 2010, 2014 World Cup. And every single goal, I was celebrating furiously because they didn't come around very often where, you know, the, the, the six were just, you know, here's another one, here's another one. And I think the subs worked as well. You look, obviously, you brought on Grealish, you brought on Foden. So no one could complain about that either. So, yeah, I thought it was a really positive start. And it looked like there were some patterns of play that, had been well worked and rehearsed and I wondered from a cynical point of view whether that was more so the players and the fact they only had four sessions with Gareth Southgate was probably a good thing before he moulded them into a defensively minded back five system which is inevitably going to come in the last 16 or the quarter final so um yeah overall really good and hopefully we can see that intact intent against Wales because I think if England get an early goal against Wales I've I've seen that midfield and that defence I'm sure we'll talk about it Martin but Mm -hmm. I think England I really want England to blow Wales away and show that they are a a clearly inferior team compared to the rest of the group.
2: Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, Steve, just on those changes like Rashford, Grealish, Foden coming off the bench, it just felt like we had... It it didn't make the team any weaker. It almost made it it stronger. And that was really good to see that he was getting those guys on and getting them on where they could still make a bit of a difference. And with all the the extra injury time, you've almost got like an extra 10 or 15 minutes at the end as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, the... The, there's a there's a great deal of strength in depth in those attacking areas, particularly like in the sort of wide, sort of float, floaty attacking midfield um, positions behind uh, behind Harry Kane. Obviously, Wilson came on, and I mean I was amazed that Wilson didn't shoot um, <laughs> rather than rather than square it to to Grealish. I mean, as a as a former Rubbish centre forward at Sunday League level. I absolutely would have been shooting <laughs> in, in, in that situation. No, absolutely no way you'd be uh, be taking taking the opportunity of a goal off of me. Uh, but fair play to Wilson for giving it the greed issue. Had a obviously had a complete open goal to tap it into. Yeah, I mean it was it was weird that's that second half, wasn't it? Because obviously you got the half-time three nil up, and it was like, well, game's over. Um, it's like right, how how do we manage this? And that and actually, I mean, Southgate raised this in his post match interview, didn't he? That he was. That he was a little bit, a little bit annoyed with the way that we kind of managed the game, and I, I agree with him entirely on that because we were, we were really sloppy at times defensively, and yet we still had enough in us, um, sort of attack, attack wise, to just carve, carve Iran open at, at will. And it was, um, I mean, you notice the, notice the difference where you then come to the Iran Wales game, and I mean, I, don't, I, I mean, Wales had what one chance? I think Kiefer Moore had a header um, straight at the keeper. Other than that, I don't think they, I don't think they got anywhere near. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just, a, just an, just an excellent, excellent performance. Great to get off to, a, to such, a, such an overwhelmingly positive start. Um, and it then g- gave us the luxury to basically not be too concerned about needing to beat the US. It would have been nice to, to have won that game. And, we're, I mean, t- to be honest, we actually had the chances to do it, even, even as sort of sluggish as we looked. Um, that early chance, that probably the one real good passage of play that we put together, that, um, that chance about 10 minutes in, where Kane's shot was blocked blocked by the defender, sort of at the last, the last second, and then obviously he had the header in in injury time. Those are the, those were the key chances, really. I don't. I mean, six one that hit the bar, was a low percentage sort of thrash from the edge of the area. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, if it goes in the top corner, you you say okay, fair play. But I don't think they've I don't think they've fashioned an awful lot, really. They put a lot of crosses into the box, and every single one of them landed onto the big fat head of Harry Maguire. Which I mean, that was. That kind of scenario is perfect. Um, perfect for someone like him, um, gets his confidence back up as well after making a little bit of a mistake for the for the first Iran goal on Monday. So hopefully we go in go into the Wales game um, with some key players, sort of restored confidence a little bit, given that he's not played very much lately.
2: There was a little bit of nervousness, I guess, around uh, Harry Kane and his ankle, Jacob, and I think you highlighted the fact that that's the problem when you just take um, a striker that has notoriously bad ankles, and there, there aren't really many other options. We're all keeping our fingers crossed and praying after that game for the, the results of the scan. Yeah, I couldn't quite believe that Gareth
1: Southgate only went for two strikers and they're both, you know, they can be injury-prone, can't they? I think Callum Olsen's, of course, he deserves his go, but you know, I think if you're going to take him, you have to bring Ivan Toney or Tammy Abraham as well. Because if Kane is injured for any stretch of time, you can't rely on Callum Wilson to play for what, three, four, five games in such a short period of time. So, um, I, I, especially in the 26 man squad as well, you don't really need a Conor Gallagher, do you, or, you know, another defender, which he seems to bring a lot of. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a big, a big worry. And Harry Kane's always been managers with ankles. I read somewhere, um, in the Athletic recently that he's, um brings over an ankle specialist from the states every month or so to stay with him. So it's somebody he can keep top of um on top of. and but in a tournament, i I don't <laughs> think he'll fly that ankle specialist out to Qatar. so um hopefully he's okay, but i I did feel he was slightly off against u s and probably because of that reason.
2: Yeah. Um Steve, let's get on to the the Wales game then. I mean, they've been nothing short of terrible, have they? Which is great for us because um if we get at them on Tuesday night, then um we've got a real chance here to 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 get some form back and uh, and, and progress.
4: Yeah, I mean I think ultimately if you look if you look through Wales' squad, um I mean they are a, they are a team unit. Um and they are they've always been I mean, other than obviously Bale and Ramsey over, over the over the years. They've always been a team that has punched above its weight. Um, I mean, you, you look down their squad, they've got two players who are playing in League Two. You've got John, Johnny Williams, who's at Swindon, and you've got Chris Gunter, who's at AFC Wimbledon. And basically, those two are playing at League Two, probably shortly ahead of um, retirement. I mean, certainly in Gunter's um, case, I would imagine I'd be, I'd be surprised if he plays beyond this season. Um, I mean, Williams. I think is is still good enough. I mean, I've seen him a few times in League Two this season, and he's been he's been excellent. White, I mean, sh- absolutely should not be playing at that level. But they, but it shows the shows kind of where Wales are having to source their players from. So for them to have even kind of got to this um, uh, to this position does show what a good job uh, Robert Page has done. Would have been very easy for like once. Once the uh, the Ryan Giggs situation all flared up, it would have been very easy for whoever came in to kind of use that as an excuse to for them to kind of go back, sort of into the into the sort of also Ran's pack a little bit. But the problem is that you come to a come to a big tournament and you've got your big name players have declared themselves fit, but I, I think the evidence of everybody's eyes um, suggests that perhaps I mean Bale at least has been playing reasonably regularly, I think in in the US, but. Ramsey just I mean they I mean they genuinely might as well have put a training cone out there. Um but for the t- the two games he's played he's he's done absolutely nothing and unfortunately as as good a servant as he as he's been I think Robert Robert Page I think might look back at um this tournament um once they're home and and sort of say well did I should I have been braver with that call? Should I have put somebody who I could rely on to actually get through the 90 minutes even if their their overall talent level is slightly lower because I mean let's be honest wales the the welsh squad as as i say isn't blessed with huge amount of talent anyway they've they've built they've built their reputation and their um their team ethos on being a strong squad and playing as a team and not this, not necessarily relying on single moments other than from Bale, mostly and you know that Bale can. I mean, you give him a give him a set piece, and and there's there's an opportunity. But I mean, the two their two opponents so far have have pretty much nullified him in in
2: open play. I think. I mean, I was listening to it on the, the radio and I think for the first 25 minutes, I forgot that Bale was playing because they didn't mention his name. Have you been surprised by them, Jacob? Or is is it kind of the, the level that you were expecting from the team?
1: I must say, I have been a little bit surprised. I'm a bit disappointed. I know Steve's completely right in saying that, you know, they've got two league, two players. And really, on paper, they shouldn't be at that good. But I just think they've made a lot of unnecessary mistakes. I think the first game, you can go back to keep them all not starting. Uh, that midfield three uh, of Amadou, I think, who's I think's been one of their best players, Harry Wilson, has just come back from injury, not really a number eight, and Aaron Ramsey, whose whose legs have completely gone, and that he looks shot to bits. To be fair, um, <laughs> hopefully this doesn't get played back uh, next week. Um, and Gareth Bell, I think you always have to keep him on the pitch because he produces moments, but he hasn't got that explosiveness anymore. He can't take players on, and when you take take that away from Gareth Bell's game, the fact that Wales try and sit on the counter and then. Uh, and take advantage on the transition. If you've got Gareth Bale who can't run anymore or Aaron Ramsey who can't get in the box anymore, it's a problem. So I think Rob Page has made a few mistakes. I think, of course, Wales' key players are coming towards the end of their careers. And the new guards, they're probably just caught in that middle section, really caught in a transition, I think, maybe... Uh, next year or in the next tournament sorry uh, could be there could be better but right now I just think they've made too many unnecessary mistakes I think if you saw that last 25 minutes to get to ran I could have believed what I was watching at some point he was nil 0 11 v 11 and I don't know where, where was his midfield when. It was mm. like they had four up top, four at the back. And, you know, poor old Ampadu was running around everywhere. And even when they went down to 10 men and it was 0-0, they, fair play to them. They still tried to push for the win, but it was a 4 I think, they played. And poor old Joe Allen, who's you know, coming back from an injury, you know, he, he had to do a lot of work in there. And they still lost 2 nil So I think like, in-game management, a bit like Southgate's, not great. And they made a lot of unnecessary mistakes. But you know what they're like against England. They're going to sing their heart. They're going to play hard, heart. And I wouldn't be surprised if they produced their best performance of the the competition so far.
2: So which England team starts on um, Tuesday, Steve? How do we approach this one? Because there was a lot of people saying, well, you know, hopefully it won't be a dead rubber. And I I think I'm right in saying Wales will need to beat us 4-0. Is that right? If they're going to (laughs) progress? I was trying to work out the connotations earlier today. So so they are on, what, minus... Two,
4: I think. On they? yeah, they're on minus two. We're on plus four. So they would need to win by three or four. uh Three with scoring loads of goals, like a high-scoring three-goal win or four-nil. Um, so to fit to fit to finish above us at least. Um, but I th- I actually think that you like to think um, that's not going to happen. But, <laughs> I mean, it's possible that <laughs> Wales win and they go through just by any score. Um, like if they were to somehow grind out a grind out a one I could i could easily see um Iran and the u s playing out a draw because um, i think though those two teams if iran pl- put in the same sort of performance as they did against Wales as opposed to the one they did against us then i think Iran will give u s problems they 're quite they 're quite sort of quick in quick in little moments they 're very very sort of sharp on sort of in their in their little sort of um little give and goes um which we weren 't Against the US on on Friday, and I think that will that will cause them more problems um, than we did. Um, so there is there is still a, a route for Wales um, Wales to get through, but I mean just just based on what what they've shown so far, you just can't it's very difficult to see that
2: happening, is it? Not going to happen, is it? It's not going to happen. So does uh, does Foden come back in then for Tuesday night? Is that what we want to see? A Bit more front footed? I doubt it. I I doubt
4: it. I I would unless Somebody is possibly struggling a little bit fitness wise. I mean, I wouldn't genuinely wouldn't be surprised if it's the same eleven. We did that in the Euros. It was there were there were very few changes made throughout the tournament last year. So I think once you've got a once you've got a system that the players are practiced and and the players that are starting know kind of their their roles in the game. Basically, just some individuals have got to be better than they were on Friday. That's the that's the long and short of it. Um, I mean, Trippier. I, I thought was probably the worst player on the pitch. Um, which was extraordinary given how solid and dependable he he has been over the years for England. Um, but yeah, I mean he, he could he could I mean he looked like a competition winner. It was extraordinary. And yet, obviously with Alexander Arnold and I, I think I mean Carl Walker was on the bench, but I don't think he was ever likely to be fit enough to um to get a game on Friday. Um Alexander Arnold would have been would probably have actually been a worse Worse option because of because of the way they were using Pulisic to um, get behind the fullbacks. But yeah, it was just just individual players have got to be better. If it's the same eleven, I you know, genuinely wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I guess there's a case for maybe Grealish from the start, maybe Foden from the start. But I mean, Foden's played what 15 minutes so far out of the out of the two games. So I wouldn't I wouldn't expect um, Southgate to kind of fold under pressure under the pressure of uh, Henry Winter. That's
2: for sure. Is that the same for you, Jacob? Same 11, just go out and prove that Friday night was a bit of a blip and, and let's finish the group strong. Well, that's one of the reasons I was quite annoyed about the, the result and the
1: performance against USA. There was a lack of urgency. And I just thought, if they just won that game, they could just arrest key players. They could rest Harry, Harry Kane. who you, you yeah. clearly, clearly needs one. But I, I would bring Phil Foden in. I'm not sure if he can play in that Mason Mount role uh, where... Basically, Southgate wants him to be part of a midfield three out of possession. I wouldn't mind him coming in for Raheem Sterling, to be honest with you, and a bit of guile from from the wings, uh, especially if the two fullbacks don't overlap, which is... The, the issue against USA, and if Trent Alexander arnold can't play in this game against a you know against a Wales team where he's basically going to face Nico Williams, then he might as well just go <laughs> home now because he's not going to play in the last sixteen or the quarterfinals, no. is he? So I would make a few changes. I would like to be a bit more positive, but I just know that, and I, I, I suspect in the quarterfinals or the last sixteen, Southgate's going to go to their back three again. Carl Walker be fit, and um, we'll lose a lot in midfield and. And England will sit back and eventually roll over. But that's just my negative. I'm getting too negative. <laughs> I Apologise, but um, yeah, I, I would like, to, I wouldn't mind seeing Foden and Trent Alexander from the start, despite obviously the concerns around Trent's defence. That's because
2: you're the Southampton reporter now. That negativity, <laughs> just, uh, it just man- manifests stop. itself. <laughs> um, Steve, it was good to see a few ex Saints players as well. I was watching Yoshida, Maldini, Lovren, Alderweireld. I think Buffal was on the telly earlier today. <laughs> <Buffard> was brilliant today.
4: <laughs> He was he was superb I thought it was it was it was oh it was it was it was it was that sort of West Brom game renaissance where yeah I mean he, he was outstanding and I mean he was absolutely seething to get taken off um he got he got subbed off literally, um literally at the point where they won where Morocco won the free kick out wide that they scored the opening goal from. Um, so obviously he was he was annoyed and you could you could tell that and but because he was on the far side he had to go off on the far side, walk round the pitch um and obviously they scored before he got back to the bench so you could obviously tell that the uh, the conversation changed somewhat uh on that on that walk round um cuz otherwise he'd have been uh, probably would have been given the uh, given the, the manager a bit of a volley but, but yeah he he was he was good fun to watch i mean japan are baffling what a weird team they are um i don't i don't really understand why they made five changes um to the team that that beat germany and probably deservedly beat germany really because you win, you win this game against Costa Rica and it doesn't matter what you're doing against Spain um, on Tuesday, just get it done because six points, six points from, from six and they'd be through um, and not, not sweating on, on the last result. And now they got done by a proper smash and grab um, effort from Costa Rica, keep, keep us flapped to it badly. But they've now given themselves um, a, task, a task on their hands because then they're now probably going to have to get a result from, uh, from the Spain game. Um, i mean obviously it depends how this um germany spain game go, game goes this evening But if germany get a get a point out of this then all they've got to do is beat costa rica and they'll finish and if spain beat japan as you'd expect then germany will finish germany will finish second um so yeah a bit of a bit of a uh, mistake from the uh, from the japanese i think there
2: and just a word, Steve, on Saluzzo and that penalty with Ronaldo. I mean, we were all screaming, "That's never a penalty," weren't we? Um, but there's no surprise that they gave it.
4: Well, it's it's Ronaldo, isn't it? And um, Ronaldo gets, Ren- yeah, Ronaldo gets what Ronaldo wants. But it's, yeah, I mean, it it, it wasn't a penalty, but you, I mean, you can see why the refs given it in real time. But then you you look on the replay, and he's clearly clearly gets a gets a toe end on the ball. Um, so I don't really see how how they've not overturned that. Um, as kind of clear and obvious but it is um yeah again it's it's ronaldo the big the big stars are um the big the big stars are, are kind of pandered to uh neymar obviously um got, got absolutely booted didn't he in in brazil's first game but but other than that they um they basically want want all the stars to be to be going deep in the tournament um because it's obviously good for the brand
2: and Gakpo scoring goals for fun at the World Cup, um, which kind of nicely leads on to the uh, the big story that you've done this week, Jacob. Because although there's been no no football, you actually got to sit down with with Sports Republic, which to me was was fascinating. If anybody hasn't read this interview that you did this week on The Athletic, it is definitely worth picking up and, and having to read through because there was so much good stuff that that came out of that. Um, what was it like to to sit down and and, and meet them and and how did you how did it all go on the day? They were very impressed with what the stuff that I would read, and is that how they came across to you as well?
1: Yeah, they did. Um, it was it was it was great. Um, really pleased we managed to get that over the line. Um, I, I, you know, speaking to them, I thought they were honest. I thought they were transparent. You know, sometimes in interviews and stuff before before you go into an interview, there's certain things that are, can are off subject you can't really discuss, and that's understandable if it's a bit player and it's sensitive. But they were open honest answered every question I had Uh, I was there for a long long time considerable amount of time so I'm really thankful for them to you know giving me uh, that time from them and there was a lot of things that I think fans would appreciate that Uh, I think they've wanted to speak for a long time but they've had to you know sort out everything in the club the multi-club model there's no point talking about multi-club model if you've only got one club so the fact they've got gestepe they're close to acquiring a few more or one and then hopefully a few more down later down the line i think that was really important i think it's it, one thing i wanted to get is a wider picture of what their plans are i think it's easy to focus on the short term why did you just act ralph what happened with joe shields why nathan jones but i wanted to know what the plans were later down the line in the long term how they are going to react to players going, Bela up Lavia, most likely, and then their lack of experience in the team, what their plans are in the future, are they content with treading water or, or and do they want to push on? And we've heard a lot from Martin Simmons who's, who speaks very well but we haven't heard anything from Henrik Kraft and Rasmus and one thing that did surprise me is how, I, I knew how they, they'd be clever but I did realise how astute they were in terms of football and sense especially Henrik Kraft, who who comes from a you know investment background he knows a lot about football he knows you he know he's a big football fan and so he's he's basically re, re-strategized the whole board because it, there's one thing in that piece that some people might not have picked up on Basically, he something did have a board before they came in it wasn't functional uh it was just martin Simmons and toby Steele and ralph basically in that smoke small, small cohort calling the shots so he's come in he's the chairman and he, his job is to basically check and challenge everyone you know from Rasmus to Martin to the manager questioning them driving them on and I found that really really quite interesting and obviously Rasmus is this innovative thinker who's highly rated within the game he's wrote books he's, he seems to have done a lot um, and he's only 39 40 I think so his job is to oversee a number of clubs but ensure that they're all functioning correctly and i think he's his input on southampton has been massive uh and he's the one that i think has the the ultimate say in in this despite them all it's, it's quite a collaborative process but there are there will be more things that come out of that interview uh later down the line and when they should do but overall i thought it was really really good and um they were honest about everything
2: there was lots of talk about the top 10 and and that was obviously their aim about getting into the top 10 but also they were quite honest uh to say that 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 there is a gamble um with their recruitment strategy and and nathan jones so they 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 admit that it might not pay off but if it does top 10 still seems to be the aim yeah i kept i put to them
1: i said you know you want to be top 10 and stuff but do you see this year as 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 a risk because if they if something get relegated all their best laid plans kind of get washed away and I, i wanted to hear their answer, and I think it was Rasmus who said it is a it is a big risk, but he doesn't see fifteen games into the season and nineteenth in the league as terminal. He he thinks this is. You know, Part of the course, there's going to be teething issues early on in the season, but there's no time to panic yet. So I think that was quite reassuring to hear, but it's, it is a massive risk and they appreciate that. They understand that. They know that Nathan Jones was never going to win fans over in the first couple of weeks, but they see this as an investment later down the line. And I think we can look in May and if Slamton survived and then hopefully in the years after that, and uh, we can see the logic behind that. And I think, I think fans from what I see are starting to realise and starting to understand at least... The the reasoning behind appointing
2: Nathan Jones, even if it was a huge surprise when we heard his name. Well as I say do read the article if you can. Are we expecting the players to actually be back at work tomorrow, Jacob? That'd be nice. I think so. Yeah, they're, they're they're 2 weeks
1: off. I think it's a little bit of a blow though because they were <laughs> going to go to Miami, weren't they? And that's been a that's been put on the back burner so I think they're going to Spain, aren't they? So that'll be still nice but it's not quite Miami is it all the all the beaches out there.
2: No, but then that's what they deserve at the moment, isn't it? So <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest. Um, thank you both. That's pretty much uh, it for this week. Don't forget you can follow the Total Saints podcast on Facebook and Twitter. We are at @total saints pod the website is total you can drop us an email through there let us know if you spot anything at the world cup particularly to do with ex saints players uh, we're also on patreon where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution visit patreon.com Forward slash Total Saints podcast. There's four different tiers on there, ranging from £5 to £20 per month. Each one comes with different perks, including weekly shout outs for those patrons in our Francis Benali and our Mick Shannon tiers. So thanks to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall, who are in our Francis Benali tier, and also Colt Baker, Dave Ensberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, and Nick Reed in our Mick Shannon tier. Uh, thanks to Steve, thanks to Jacob, thanks to Alex as well for uh, joining us this week. Great to catch up with him. Thank you for listening